Hey, this is Josh Fonger, CEO at WTS Enterprises. And if you are wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Guillanutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world, and I want to welcome you to today's episode. I have a wonderful guest with me today. His name is Josh Fonger. He is a business performance architect and the co-founder of Work the System. He's an international business consultant, coach, and speaker. He has a unique experience of personally helping hundreds of businesses grow simply using the WTS method. His speciality is taking stressed out entrepreneurs from working in their business to working on their business, using systems so that profit and freedom can become a consistent mechanical reality. Josh, a massive welcome to you. Glad to be here. Yeah, excellent. Whereabouts are you in the world today? Based out of Hawaii. So big shift. I used to live in Arizona, but now I'm in the middle of the Pacific. Wow. When did you do that shift? About six months ago. Yeah. Yeah. My wife was uh, pregnant with our fourth and we were like, should we make the move now or (laughs) after the baby comes? And we just made a jump for it and we've uh, been loving it so far. Excellent. Wow. Six months. So it's pretty new. Yeah, that's very good. And you're in an island and I'm based in an island here in New Zealand as well. So it's we're both in the Pacific. That's very good. Excellent. (laughs) Hey, Josh, I've given our listeners a brief introduction to you. Is there anything else? Tell me more about you. Yeah, well, my background in terms of leading work the system was not on purpose. I think anyone you interview probably has a similar story of meandering to how they got where they got to. The the quick thing is undergraduate degree is in architecture. I wanted to be a real estate developer, but then got laid off during the big, you know, the big downfall in 2007, 2008 and had to reinvent myself. During that time, I got my master's in business. And so I applied anywhere and everywhere in the real estate industry and then also any industry in terms of management. Couldn't find a job anywhere until uh, someone picked me up as a business consultant, which is exactly what I did not want to do. I did not want to be a business consultant. I actually wrote my thesis paper about why you should not hire a business consultant. So my dad really didn't like them. My father-in-law really, really didn't like business consultants. And I had an overall distaste for the industry. <laughs> so uh, it wasn't definitely by choice. But starting off as a business consultant about... 15 years ago, uh, I just fell in love with the, with the career path. I loved meeting with entrepreneurs, identifying the problems, and trying to come up with you know what I call now systematic solutions that will scale. And that um, eventually led me to meet up with Sam Carpenter over 10 years ago. And then we started uh, the coaching and consulting 
wing of Work the System. And Work the System is a, a brand and a business based on a book called the same thing, Work the System. And now I train coaches and consultants and certify them in this method and help them to go out and fix companies using this uh, WTS method that you you talked about. So it's been quite a quite a shift. And I love the work. And I love taking solutions that work and finding out ways to make them make them scale. Mm, very good. And work the system, the book that was was that written by Sam? Or have you both done an updated version of that book? Good question. Yeah. So Sam Carpenter wrote the first edition, well, actually every edition, the latest edition, the fourth edition that just came out recently, I was able to add in 15 case studies in the back, add an epilogue and add a few other bells and whistles to the to the book just based on you know Sam's story. How has that impacted other companies and business owners' lives around the world? And so we got to add those elements to the book. Yeah, it must be very uh, pleasing to be able to do that and take Sam and the book and the work that you're doing with him and then bringing it to life for other people and helping them move forward, which is, that'll be pretty exciting to do. Yeah, it's an amazing opportunity. I you know thank God for that because it's tens of thousands of business books that come out every single year and they're kind of saying the same information again and again and again. And what Sam was able to do with his book is, you know, really capture the heart of a small business owner that is just stuck in the day-to-day, wants to build something that provides a lot of value, but they're just, they're in the, they're in the day-to-day, they're, they're, they're stuck. It really um, connects with that story, the e-myth. A lot of people are familiar with that book as well. And it puts into practical methodology how to work your way out of that situation. And when he got the book out there originally, he wanted to just make the biggest impact he could. And you know, Providence would have it that I met up with him. And so now I'm able to take that and really try to infuse that into as many companies as possible in the different languages and different industries. And so it's been an amazing thing. And I'm really thankful to have that opportunity because his message Though it's simple, it's applicable, right? It's applicable to so many situations. And we, we believe that simplicity is why it uh, has really taken off and it's helped so many people. I think so. I think the things that are in life that are simple is, is a really good thing too, because I think for a lot of leaders, and when I say leaders, Josh, what I'm talking about is that I, I class a leader, everybody, and you know, whether it be a business owner, entrepreneur, they're having to lead themselves and also their teams if they've got them. And I think that's being keeping it simple is really, really quite key for a lot of us. What, what do you think is one of the biggest challenges business owners are seeing today? What's one of their biggest challenges? Well, I think their biggest challenge is the speed of life right now. The speed of life maybe in a physical world has stayed the same, but the speed of life in the digital world has grown exponentially, right? And so, even if the owner or the leader is able to block themselves off or set up certain boundaries to protect themselves from those levels of distraction, the people they're leading probably are not (laughs) blocked off from that. So, they have to lead people who are they're addicted to dopamine. They're addicted to chains. They're addicted to flashing lights and, and bells and whistles. And so, how do you take people who are so distracted and so distributed and get them to move in a straight line? And that's a difficult thing. I, that, it wasn't like that before. And so, I think that's probably the, the biggest shift. So, you know how you mentioned before about your story around leaving where you were, the global financial crisis, I think it would have been the period of time. So how did you get into leadership or how did you get into, into, into this? How, how did you actually, did you fall into it or did it actually, how did it happen? Yeah, every aspect of leadership, I think I've, I've fallen into, not purposely. And then after I fall into it, I have to figure out what to do. So I got married in my 20s, I had to figure out, oh, now I have to lead my family. Okay, now I have kids in my early 20s. Now I've got to figure out 
how to lay cleats. <laughs> and so every aspect of the way, it was like, wow, I probably should read some books. I probably should study this. And then it was, okay, now I'm running my own company. I probably should figure out how to lead that. And so it's definitely been a, maybe the reverse order of what people probably should do. <laughs> maybe they should uh, know what they're doing before they jump in, but that has not been my case. It's definitely been you jump in and then you figure out maybe through mistakes and also through reading a bunch of books, how, how to, to lead. And so... You know, we're going through that right now in our business from me being the only only coach and consultant out there helping companies to now having over 30 people getting certified in our methodology. And so how do I lead them? How do I guide them? How do I you know, serve them is a new shift and evolution for our business. And so one of the aspects of leading is being able to grow yourself, right? <laughs> the more you grow, the more you're going to be able to help others. And so I think it's a, it never ends. And I think that to, to think you've arrived as, as a leader is probably when you start falling as a leader. Yeah, dangerous dangerous words, actually, when they've arrived. I'm, I'm here, da-da, and you're like, oh. And so, yeah, you're right. I mean, what got people to where they are today won't get them to where they need to be going forward for sure. So, Josh, now you may have somebody, you may have several people. Who's your favorite leader? Now, this person could be alive or from history. Who's been your favorite leader and why? Yeah, I, I was thinking about this question before I got on, and there's a lot of great leaders all over the place. And I thought a little bit um, different about it. I was thinking of Paul the Apostle in the Bible, which maybe is not where people would go first. And I was thinking, okay, this guy had a, a message that it was very compelling, started off with zero followers, and then was able to take everything that he learned and communicate it in a way where he wrote more of the New Testament than anyone else. So he's been able to transform and change with this message more people's lives than anyone else in the world. And it was being consistent. It was about documenting <laughs> how to organize the expansion of this, you know, the, the church, so to speak, because that's when it initially began. It was a clear message that was simple. It was a message that was compelling. It was consistent. He had to do it in a servant way. It required a lot of hard work, perseverance. I mean, you name it, it kind of fills up all of these leadership attributes that are timeless. A leader who really believes in the message, a leader who's willing to sacrifice, a leader who's willing to be consistent with the communication, who's been able to persevere hardships, in this case, you know, shipwrecks, beatings, martyrdom. I mean, you name it. It was a... And I think that people, when they want to follow somebody, they want to know, is this person genuine? Do they believe what they say? And how much are they willing to sacrifice for this mission that they want me to follow them on? And I was thinking, well, this guy definitely exhibited all these traits in a very consistent way. And, you know, the, the, I guess the best-selling book in the world, for instance, definitely has the majority, I mean, a significant portion of his writings in it, which, you know, if you tie it back to working system, is a big thing that we believe is that if leaders want to expand their influence or whatever the co positive contribution they make into the world, they're not going to be able to do it through just pure hard work or just talking one-to-one. -one. They have to find ways to scale that. And communication has changed and it's become more complex. And there's certainly lots of ways to do that. But one of the key ways, even 2000 years ago, was to put it in writing, <laughs> to put it in writing so that you can distribute the message and you'll have a lot better chance of making people consistently follow it than just to try to be all places at once. That's how you burn yourself out. Mm. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I like the I like the example. Thanks. There's been a few guests who've brought things in from the Bible into into some of the leaders, but no one's bought this one and this, as you have shared, which is good. And the thing I'm going to ask you here is the show here is called Leadership is Changing. When we when you hear that title, the show or that statement, what does that mean to you? Yeah, that was a really hard question for me because I, I 
come from the opposite standpoint of leadership is not changing. But I had to really wrestle with that and think about what is changing. And to be a leader means you have followers. And I think that people, culture, people groups, and technology are changing. They're very dynamic. And so you as the leader, yeah, you have to have integrity. You have to be honest. You have to be hardworking. You have to be courageous. Like all these things are are the same. Like So the essence of a leader clear mission, consistent, all these things are, are going to stay the same, but the people you're leading could shift, right? When I'm coaching owners or leaders of different companies, what I see is those who are the least clear about who they are, where they're going, how they're going to get there, what success looks like. The more ambiguous and loose they are, the more ambiguous and loose their culture and their team is. And it becomes very, very difficult to lead because then you have to try to be all things to all people. Whereas there's actually one company that I worked with and they hired almost exclusively from from BYU. And if you don't know, that's a that's a Mormon university in Utah. And so because they had this like consistent prototype person working for them and they had a very consistent prototypical mission, it made leadership very, very simple and not dynamic and not fluctuating because they had this one-dimensional kind of person joining their team, right? And I thought that was very, very fascinating is that <laughs> the broader diversity of people you want to follow you, the more complicated your leadership might be, where in this case, it was it was very, very simple. But uh, other things about leadership changing, it, again, it's the speed, I think, and also and just the people you're leading may need a lot more constant feedback. They're used to feedback. They're used to responses. They're used to tweets and, and uh, Facebook lives and you, you name it, they're used to that kind of um, constant feedback. Whereas historically, you know, you could give them feedback every six months and that's fine. But nowadays, I think that um, people are not used to that. So, you have to be much more consistent with the feedback. So, that, that's probably the, the biggest thing I've seen. Yeah, cool, cool. And I'm going to go on to the next question, but I'm actually going to reframe it a little bit differently for you, in particular with Work the System. And that is, what makes a leader successful in today's fast-paced, ever-changing world? And what I'm thinking about here is that for people who have got their own businesses or in leadership roles in large corporates or medium-sized businesses, they're high-performing people. They're out there doing things. And what, how important is it for them to have things like work the system around them to be successful? Yeah, I think that the what makes our message important for today, maybe even more important than 25 years ago when Sam Carpenter wrote this methodology is the competing distractions and the complexity of instead of having to be an expert in one tool set, now you have to have 25 different pieces of technology connected together to get something done. And so what we try to really teach people and lead people in is that if you can have a consistent way of doing things in writing, both your strategy, your principles, your procedures, your ways of doing business, that simplicity is going to provide the scalability for your team. And it's going to provide the, the sanity for you as the leader, instead of having to always react to... You're able to be proactive instead of reactive, I guess I would say, as a leader. And that's that's one of the, the big things that I learned from Sam Carpenter, my, meth, my mentor, is that he said that you can either solve the problem again and again and again as it comes up, or you can solve it once by developing a system that prevents the problem. And I think a lot of leaders, again, it's that, that, that chemical reaction. They're used to the pop-up, the buzzing phone, the ring, the ding, the dopamine. So they're used to, oh, I'm going to react right now because everything's urgent. And they're used to the feeling of solving things repeatedly. And I think leaders should really learn to say, to enjoy the satisfaction of solving problems once and then not having problems. <laughs> so the idea is 
to get more joy out of not having problems than getting joy out of solving the same problems again and again and again. And that's, that's a difficult shift because I think there's a lot of technology that's pushing you the wrong direction. I remember just a few years ago, it wasn't that long ago, I'm talking about a lot, a lot of years ago, that we used to get taught about touch the paper once. In other words, if there's an action item on a piece of paper, touch it once, get it done and, and it's done. And yeah, if you have a system and you put it in place, I like it, whereby the system's in place to resolve something, but you do it once. And do people find that they have to sometimes tweak or modify that system? In other words, it's not always done within five minutes, da-da, here it is. Does it take time to iterate it and, and work through it? Yeah, that's the fun work. At least the fun work for me is once you do know the current way or the current best practices way of doing whatever the work is that you're doing, whether it's selling something or processing an order or doing a refund or creating, you know, whatever it might be. Once you know how it's currently being done, the, the exciting thing is saying, okay, now that I can see it, is there a better way? Is there a faster way? Is there a way that would provide more value, more customization, more, you know, better experience, use less materials, be more scalable? And that is, you know, I reserve that for what I call mature business owners. Those who are not satisfied with doing things, shooting from the hip, those who aren't satisfied with 85% correct, they really want to move to that 99%. They have to, they've got to do something different. And that's where we say, if you want to run your company that way, the only way you're going to be able to do it is to get your systems down on paper so that everyone can look at it together and, and, and may the best idea win, right? Then it's no longer, well, you know, Dennis always does it this way. So he's smart. So we're just going to keep doing it that way. It's now that we can see it objectively, uh, what really is the best way to do this? And then everyone is able to contribute. So we try to build this culture of the, you know, the hive mind where best ideas wins and everyone can be a part of it. And again, I might have mentioned this before, people come and go, but the mission's the same, the system's the same, and we're always improving it. And I think that's that's going to be one thing I didn't mention is that leaders today have to deal with a dynamic personnel force, as in people do come and go more often than before. There is less, less loyalty than before. And so if you're going to lead in that kind of environment, it of course, you want to have great people and you want them to stay as long as possible. But even more so, you need to have a clear compelling, consistent message in a way to enact that message so that as people come to contribute their lives for six months or six years, the message continues on, the methodology continues on even when they're gone and somebody can jump right back in their place and also provide value because good people don't always stay very long, but they can always contribute and you want to set up a, a system in your business so that they can contribute no matter how long they're there. Again, six months, six years, 20 years, in this, in this world, it's not always very long. Yeah, it's good. And, and you know, as you're saying, people are coming and going. What about the fact that the life is moving so fast, as you said before, right? Technology, business, social, that's, that's moving so fast. So then if we do work and we set the system and this is what things are in place now, how often do we have to go back and revisit it to make sure that we are moving with the times? Yeah, uh, great question. We have kind of two theories about this, and I think they just need to be combined. The first one is, Whenever you're doing a process or a task, in the back of your mind, you're always thinking, how can I improve that? Right. So that's going to be the, the first way to go about it. And then secondarily, there needs to be a, a, a structured follow-up, whether it's six months or a year or once a quarter that your business has developed where you say, hey, we're going to take that system off the shelf. We're going to look at it based on the numbers, the measurements, and see, can we make that better? If we can, we make the tweaks and then we start using it. If we can't, we say, okay, reviewed on such and such date, put it back on the shelf. And then look at it again every every six months. So so it's it's both, I would say, 
on a, uh, a seasonal basis. So whatever that is, you know, six months, four months or it is. And it's also a real-time basis as in, hey, I've been using this system and we have a, a, I don't know, it's taking way too long. I just don't know why. And then you make a change in real time based on experimentation. So um, whenever, I mean, everyone on my team and the companies that I work with, I always want them to be highly engaged and say, hey, the, the procedure that you're following, the system that's been developed, that is currently the best way to do it. But if when you're doing it, you can think of a better way, let us know. Add the suggestion. You know, we're going to let you experiment because we want it to get better. And um, when they know that they have both the stability of the best way now and the freedom to improve upon it, that in- increases engagement. Mm. Oh, very good. And Josh, I, I noticed that you've mentioned quite a few times in the interview so far that you mentioned about getting it on paper or writing it down. What's the thinking around that, getting it down on paper or writing it? What's so good about that? Well, you could also record it in video. I guess I'll just put it that way. Or you could screen capture. There's, there's a lot of other ways to, to go about it. But without having something memorialized in writing, no one else can, and nor yourself, can actually analyze how, how quality it is, right? And so forcing you to write down forces deeper thinking. It forces the level of specificity. And it forces you to go from... Well, we just kind of greet customers at the front door to saying, what is the best way to greet customers at the front door? Because our strategy says, we're going to be the friendliest customer. And our principles say, you know, customers love to visit our business. Now, our procedure needs to actually make those things happen. So, let's actually think it through. And what I find is that you'll have, let's just say, let's just use the example, greeting customers at the front door. You might have five different sales agents. They might do it five different ways. And then after you analyze it, you say, you know what? Actually saying their first name, shaking their hand, asking them this probing question is way better than just, hey, nice to see you, right? And so like you say, well, if we're going to keep doing greeting customers at the front door, we have the option of doing it the random way, which we've seen the results, or we have the option of everyone just doing it the best way. And can anyone in this business think of a reason to not do it the best way? And of course, everyone's like, well, let's just do it the best way. And doing it in writing allowed that best way to get memorialized. And those sales agents might not be there five years later, but the new salespeople can learn from the past, right? It's, it's like it's why history is so important is you can't learn from the mistakes in the, and the leaders in the past unless there's something, something's written down. And that's the most obvious, clear, consistent way to communicate from generation to generation is in writing. And that's how, that's how we really push the writing. Yeah, that's great. I, I, I like that. And, and the other thing too is when I'm working with the leaders that I coach as well, if they're not taking notes, they don't, I don't think they're learning or they'll forget it five minutes later because we're human beings. But the big one is as they're writing things down, what they were thinking or what they were saying may be two totally different things. And so when they're actually writing it down, it sort of becomes a little bit clearer to them. They go, oh, I didn't realize I was thinking that, or that's not what I actually mean. And so I think that's a great way to be able to do it and and sort of account for what's going on, but then to make sure everyone is, and here comes the, probably the, put everyone on the same page, excuse the pun, but that's really why I think it's is, is really what we're thinking about here, which is important. You and I have been talking about leaders and, and business owners and that. If we were to change the lens, and I think you've got a team of people around you and, and these people you bring on board now to teach them that, what are they expecting? What are employees expecting from leaders today? Has that changed at all? Are you, are you seeing anything different? Well, you know, I'm only, uh, I mean, I turned 40 in a few months here, right? So I haven't lived long enough to see massive changes. But what I see in the marketplace is shifting from traditional business being the majority to 
everyone has a certain online element of their business now. Like pretty much everyone has some hybrid version of online and it continues to grow year over year. And so knowing that and also the family dynamics of the, the standard nuclear family has changed a lot in the last 10 years. And, you know, the, the mixing pot of cultures and political persuasions has also become more fragmented and, and diverse. And so I think that as a, a leader, at least in, in my case, I like to have as much flexibility as possible for the people that I work with. Now, some of them, you know, the full-timers, they don't have as much flexibility because of their salary and because of their their need to be engaged on a day-to-day basis. But um, I've spent more time trying to cultivate a deep bench of experts worldwide who have flexibility and they can be engaged on a consistent basis as opposed to saying, hey, 40 hours a week, you have to be here at these times, at these places. And that's mainly because, well, there's a lot of reasons why I do it. But for my type of work, not everyone has to be working at the same time to be able to get the work done. And so I've tried to focus more on global market, which is who our clients are, global market, and with a global market, having a global workforce as well. So I think that leaders have to to um, be willing to be open to that potential and not stick with, well, they need to live within this town and maybe the population is 100,000 people and they have to be full-time and they need to have these degrees. And the more you do that, the more you limit yourself from the potential of really great people that are available worldwide. And that's what we found is that the more we've opened up the ability to work with people worldwide, the more amazing people we've been able to find. And because of the flexibility, we've been able to attract them and keep them engaged without having to be stuck in maybe an old employee, employer model. That's great. I think, you know, what I'm seeing as well as employees is that exactly what you're saying there. And they want that flexibility and the ability to do the hours. But, you know, I mean, I think COVID, the, the pandemic has really emphasized things and pushed a lot quicker than than we thought it was going to happen. And now a lot of people don't, it's quite interesting, a lot of people don't want to go back to the office, happy to work from home or happy to work from somewhere else other than the office. Just imagine what it's like to be a commercial property owner right now. I mean, interesting times ahead, right? Yep. I, I kind of expected that. I um, used to be involved in commercial real estate and I haven't worked in a traditional office for over a decade. And so I kind of just, I could see the writing on the wall. I mean, it's so much better working from home. But for the right personality type. And it's the wave of the future, you know, hybrid work environments. We used to do all on-site flying to the company consultations. And that's way more expensive to execute and way more expensive for the client. And just being able to take your work and, and make it virtual, it's been a, a way to help more people and, and do it in a more cost-effective way. So COVID really sped up the ability for those who have taken and embraced the online work. It's really sped up the, um, the acceptance of that. And the older leaders, you know, necessity to change the way they work. It's really forced that upon people. And I think it's, I don't think it's going to go back. Once you've tasted the ability to, you know, work in your pajamas from home <laughs> and not, and not go through like two hours of rush hour traffic, it's, it's hard to say, Hey, now go back to the office. It's like, well, you know, maybe not. <laughs> hmm. Oh yeah, fair enough too. So before you said about 10 years ago in the commercial property, and then you sort of saw the writing on the wall. So you're probably going to be a very good person to answer this next question then about getting your crystal ball out and thinking about the future here. Where do you see leadership being in five years? Yeah, well, I'm done with my predictions after <laughs> after COVID-19. I recorded a, uh, a a Facebook live stream about you know what you should do, what the predictions were. And I think pretty much all my predictions were wrong because oh, I was wow. thinking it would be a very, a very quick, you know, this will be gone in a few weeks kind of a thing. And 
that was the beginning of the pandemic. And <laughs> it was definitely, you know, once fear sets in and is promulgated, then it's very hard to change that. Well, and, 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 but on a similar note, but I think is important is that in order to get people to buy and engage, engage with our products uh, many years ago, it was like eight, nine years ago, we recorded a video. And the video was about uncertain times and challenging markets and, you know, people being afraid of what the future was going to be and the, the news telling us things were scary and the markets being uncertain and all this, this stuff. And it was all true. And that was like eight years ago. And we were able to use that same video. Well, we stopped using it recently, but we were able to use that video for seven years straight because it's always true. The news media, that, that complex knows that fear sells. And so, and outrage sells and you know anger sells and so that they're always going to push that so i suspect that it was true 10 years ago 10 years from now 5 years from now they're going to continue to push that same kind of message because that that sells the most advertising and therefore um we should expect more of the same more of this more of the same in terms of those inputs leadership i think that the again we talked about the beginning the, the core aspects of a good leader are going to be the same uh, I think there'll be always new technologies. And I think this is the other thing that leaders need to be aware of is that there will always be a new fad, a new technique, a new packaging, a new messaging for leadership or the technologies leaders use. But if they go under the surface just a little layer, they'll realize that it was something that was promoted 50 years ago with just a different name. Because people are people, business is business, time is time, reality is reality, things you know, in terms of the way the world functions, you know, there's still 24 hour days, uh, you still need to get the same amount of rest, it's going to stay the, the same. And whenever I hear a story about some new miracle drug or some new certain hack, or some new special food or some new whatever hyped up thing, you know, a new business model that's never been heard of before, or a new pay for performance model never heard before, it's typically written about because it's different and unique, but it typically doesn't work, it fails. It, it ends up being more destructive than positive. And so leaders just need to maybe trust their instincts and not get distracted with the, the hype because those who are push, pushing new ideas have a vested interest in making you believe that the world is always changing and you can lose a lot of time, a lot of sleep and a lot of, a lot of brain cells on, on the wrong thing. That's my opinion. Yep. And I think if you keep it simple, work the system, things will help you. I think that's the, probably the best way to do it. So, Josh, hey, thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? Well, they should go to WTSEnterprises.com. There we have the book available for, for download. Of course, the book is called Work the System. So, WTSEnterprises.com. And there we do our coaching and consulting events. And if you you know, hear what I'm talking about and you think, hey, it'd be fun to be a consultant, you should reach out. We do um, vet our consultants first and we do have a, a training and certification program we're always looking for new people to join the team. And so if you qualify, love to have you on the team. Awesome. Josh, thanks very much again for joining us on the show. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Likewise. Thanks, Dennis. Thank you. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they've been released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, your network. If there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show or a question for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 